This is Ezra Beck. We are continuing with the series on Yudgimo Midot. And today, uh, the next Midah, this is the sixth year, the next Midah is the Midah Rav Chesed. This is the seventh Midah, the seventh attribute in the 13 attributes. We have to understand what does it mean the Rav Chesed. Concerning this, there is a Gemara, an explicit Gemara, in the same place with so much of what we've learned about Yudgim Amidot. It comes from the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Daf Yud Zayin. It's important to see it in context. The context there is a Breita, a well-known Breita, uh, that concerns, as Rashi points out, Yom Hadin, the ultimate Yom Hadin. It's not talking about every day, and it's not even talking about Yom Kippur. It's talking about the ultimate Yom Adin. The writer says, Beit Shammai Omrim, Gimel Kitotein Yom Hadin. There are three groups, three kinds of people on the Yom Hadin. Rashi says, Kishayichyu Hametim, the ultimate day of judgment, the day of resurrection. The three groups are Tzadikim Gemurim, Rishaim Gemurim, and Benoniim. There are righteous, completely righteous, there are evil, and there are in between, benoniim, those who are in the middle. Tzadikim gmurim nechtabim nechtabim la'alta So on that day, the tzadikim will be written and sealed for eternal life. Rishayim gmurim nechtabim nechtabim la'alta l'gehenom. Those who are completely evil, no question involved, are sent to gehenom. What happens to those who are in the middle? They're not completely righteous, not completely evil. So Beit Shammai said, They go down to Gehenom, they give out a few chirps, they cry, one hour, Rashi says, and then they are released. So, Vechamai says, if you're in between, you you have to have atonement, and then you also will get to Olamaba. Concerning this statement of Vechamai, I give this introduction because we're interested in Beit Hillel. The Gemara, the Vaita then continues. Beit Hillel Omrim, Verav Chesed, Mateh Klapei Chesed. Clear that Beit Hillel is disagreeing with the last line in Beit Shammai. And that's what Rashi says as well. These Beinoniim, who didn't get into Olam Haba, because they weren't completely righteous, they didn't, were not sent to Gehenom, because they weren't completely evil. And therefore, they're stuck in the middle. So Beit Shammai said, send them out, bring them back. Beit Hillel says, this is the Midah of the Rav Chesed, which means Mateh. Klapei Chesed. Rav Chesed means Mateh. Klapei Chesed. Tilt. God tilts. God sways the judgment in the direction of Chesed. Rashi explains. The whole term is based on a certain um, simile. The simile is that of a scale. A scale with two... uh, containers, where you weigh one against the other, the ancient kind of scale. 
And what we're weighing is mitzvot and averot. A person's merits and a person's credits, a person's demerits. And the benoniyim are those who the scale is more or less even, more or less in balance. There's no clear decision in one way or the other. So for them, Beit Hilo says, Rav Chesed, which might be translated as much chesed, but apparently the word Rav was difficult to understand. He says, Rav means matek lape chesed, ho'il, since they are 50-50, their credits and their, 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 their merits and their demerits are half and half. So God tilts the decision towards the side of merit, the annual dim the Gehenom, and they do not go down, they do not sink to Gehenom, unlike what Beit Shammai had said. Okay, so we've now derived the meaning of the expression Rav Chesed. Rav Chesed means that God takes what is objectively a balance of good and evil and tilts it to one direction. The question, of course, is it's all very nice for he who is stuck in that position and wants to get out alive. But the question is, how does God do that? I mean, it sounds like pure prejudice. If you're judging and you're weighing, you're not allowed to cheat. And the expressions used here are, in fact, those expressions which are used in prohibitions. Lehatot, mate. Lehatot is used by the Torah as something which is prohibited. To distort judgment, to tilt judgment in one direction is forbidden because it's the opposite of judgment. Fairness means objective fairness. And the Gemara is using the phrase in the context of judgment, in the context of the balanced scale. Exactly what is us. Specifically, when you have a scale and you touch one side, that's another Isa in the Torah, taken from the life of, not of judgment here, but of economics, of the shuk. When you're selling fruit, so you have a scale, you put your weight on one side and the fruit on the other. So you have to have hint tzedek, the eifat tzedek, it has to be you know, a, a correct weight. How does, the, how does the dishonest seller in the shuk cheat? He puts his thumb on one side or the other in order to distort. These are obviously forms of cheating. What the uh, Beit Hillel said is that God cheats. God weighs you, but if you're in the middle, He cheats. If He wants to say the Benoniim, I just let them in anyhow. So do that, but that's not what it says. He, he He distorts the scale so that they appear to be tzaddikim. What What is What is the expression mean? What What is it coming to tell us? I'm going to start off by quoting an explanation given by Rav Hutner in the Pachad Yitzchak, and we'll and we'll continue from from that basis. Hutner says the following. He says the idea of balance, of equality between good and evil, between my sins and my mitzvot, between my merits and my demerits, is essential to understanding the world. The whole concept of bechirach of shit, a free will is based on the equality of good and evil. If we lived in a world where we would see what in fact is metaphysically the truth, 
that the good is God, the good exists, the good is existence. And evil is an illusion, it's a delusion. It's the opposite of God, therefore it has no basis in reality, then we wouldn't have any free will. You can't honestly choose between existence and non-existence, between life and death. So it's true, the Torah says, that I present before you, God says in Pashat Re'eh, I present before you good and evil, life and death. What that means is I present before you good and evil. I'm telling you that it's life and death. But we don't actually see it that way. If we saw it clearly, there would be no choice at all. The whole world, which is the world of free will, is based on the fact that in this world, good and evil are equal, and therefore, when we get to the judgment day, our sins are equal to our mitzvot. When I say equal, I mean the following. We don't know exactly how to measure. But the entire simile used in this Gemara of having scales means that there is some sort of arithmetic, which God knows, whereby you can weigh a sin against a mitzvah. You can weigh a merit against demerits. And there is, in God's eyes, there was a way to see equal. If you did a mitzvah of a certain kind and one of a certain kind, they're going to be equal. If they weren't equal, that would mean because good is worth more than evil is worth in its scale, then you'd be overturning the whole basis of free will. Free will assumes that we can say to man, if you do an Aveva, you get minus five. You do a mitzvah, you get plus five. And the plus five is equal to the minus five. If I say, if you do a mitzvah, that has weight. If you do an Aveva, it doesn't count that much. It's almost nothing. It's just air. It's just non-existence. It's a fallacy. It's an illusion. If he understands that and sees it, and if it would really be true in his world, then you have no, there wouldn't be any free will. There would be no meaning to the choice because the choice would have been made already. And therefore it's essential that when God made the world and gave man free will, and that's the purpose of the world, so that man should exercise his free will, then what God said to man was, you can exercise your free will in either direction and you take responsibility. If you do something wrong, then you have to bear responsibility. You get a minus 10, then you will have to suffer the consequences of that minus 10. And if you do a mitzvah, then you get a plus 10, and you've you've done the plus 10. But for there to be real responsibility, you need free will, and for there to be real responsibility, we need that our actions have consequence, have meaning, have substance. So that's the way the world exists. And if evil and good are equal, and if man has free will, then there is no way, there is no existent distinction, there's no decision in advance between them. Both paths are open, both paths can be taken. However, Chazal said, and interestingly enough, the Rambam quotes it as a halacha, even though it doesn't sound like halacha. Chazal said, "Kvar hifticham hakadosh baruch hu sheYisrael osim tshuva." We have a guarantee that in the end there will be tshuva. V'shavta ad Hashem elokecha v'shamata v'kolah. So Futna said, "If there is such a guarantee." There is a guarantee that good will triumph over evil 
then ultimately, good and evil are not equal. If they were equal, you couldn't, you couldn't give this guarantee. If God gives a guarantee that good will triumph over evil, He's saying that good has basically an advantage, an irresistible advantage, ultimately, in the end, over evil. And that point is in contradiction to the way the world is created. Rav calls it a, an exception to the principle of free will. Now it's true, this is said in the distant future. Well, I hope not in the distant future, but in the future, in the messianic future. But nonetheless, he claims, of Hutna, that that shows you that there is, in fact, inequality between good and evil. It doesn't work yet. We shouldn't be noticing it yet. God wants us to work in a world of good and, e- of, of, of good and evil being equal, if we will. But in an ultimate sense, as will be expressed in the future tshuva of Am Yisrael, the future guaranteed, non-contingent tshuva of Am Yisrael, therefore we know that in truth, good and evil are not equal. Good counts, and evil doesn't, or it counts less. Buddha said that's the meaning of mate klape chesed. On the one hand, equal measures of good and equal measures of evil produce a balanced scale. On the other hand, in truth, in the ultimate sense, what you thought were equal measures, what appears to be equal measures of good and evil, the good weighs more. So that both things are true. It's not a distortion. It's a distortion because of the way the world was created. It's a distortion according to the values of this world as God wanted this world to be run. But in the ultimate sense, yes, Chesed weighs more than evil. Good, schut, merits weigh more than the merits. So after you've achieved balance, you have automatically disbalance. It's midat chesed. Why is it midat chesed? Because midat hadin created the world to be equal, to be balanced, to have free will. And therefore, Midat Adin says you should bear the consequences of the free will. Midat Chesed says that's not really true. God is. The good is. Evil is absence. Evil is negation. Evil is nothing. That's what Midat Chesed says. So after Midat Adin has finished weighing you and found you balanced, unable to go to eternal life, because there's no hechveya, there is no decision, Midat Chesed steps up and says, look again. And you see that the kaf the bowl that holds your merits, in fact weighs much more than the bowls which doesn't. Adkan, this is what Rav Hutna, Rav Hutna said. Let's take a minute to understand, understand what this means. I quoted a pasuk. All the pasuk in uh, this week's pasha. Natati lefnechem hayom et hachayim ve'etamavet et atov ve'etara. The way I understand it, there's a contradiction in the pasuk itself. 
I've placed before you equally Tov Vara. Tov is good. Tov is life. Ra is death. Tov and Ra are equal. Life and death aren't equal. What kind of a choice is that between life and death? But the two things are true and they're also inextricably bound. You see, because I could make something equal by making it irrelevant. I can say, hello, I have, behold, I place before you uh, chicken and meat. Choose between them. So that's a really equal choice because they're both good. They're both wonderful. There's no difference between them. It's an arbitrary choice. So there you have free will. You can choose either one of them. But it's free will that's meaningless because it's not a free will of value. The value, the importance of free will in the world is that we choose not between steaks and chicken, but that we choose between good and evil. On the other hand, if it's between good and evil, it's no longer a choice at all. So God, you have to have both things. You have to have that there should be a real, equal, free choice between two things where your choice isn't arbitrary, but your choice will be based on your recognition that this is good and that is bad, that this is right and this is wrong. So the, the way God does that is by disguising good and evil. To our eyes, it's not immediately clear that the good is the right and that evil is wrong. That good is truth and evil is, is, is falsehood. Your choice involves your seeing, your perceiving, your choosing to see that that's the way it is. It's not an arbitrary choice. It's seeing the truth. But you still have to look through the veil of, of, of the mechanical, natural law world to see that this path is the path of truth and this path is the path of falsity. So both things are really true at the same time. On the one hand, good and evil are equal psychological choices before us and therefore they have to be dressed up as of equal value, equal, uh, equal, equal, equal importance, equal metaphysical uh, 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 status. But the whole choice is based on us seeing through the veil of this world and seeing that in truth, in ultimate existence, in ultimate reality, in God's reality, the good is the real and the bad as attractive as it may seem, is in fact nothing. When you see that, you've chosen. Not because that's true, therefore you choose. You choose because you perceive that that is the truth that lies behind behind the world. So that, I think, is what the Rav Chesed is saying. When you go to act, you really do face two equal choices. And therefore, Midata then says, if you chose evil, then you get minus ten points. Our world is based on that being the truth. What changes that equation? What changes that equation is putting God into the equation. And that's why, as I said in the very, very first year, Yud Gimel Midot are based on the fact that God is present. We are saying God's name means that God is present. When God is present in the equation, just the scale, the scale would be in the middle of the desert and I would jump into it, put my merits on one side, my demerits on the other side, they would be equal. But if God holds the scale in His hand, then God's truth becomes part of the equation. 
when God looks at the scale, I can see that it's equal. To me, it appears to be equal. But God, of course, sees it from his own eyes. And in God's eyes, you have, on the one hand, truth, shechina, kedusha, reality. On the other hand, you have vapor, hevel, wisps of illusion. When God becomes part of the equation, the equation is no longer balanced. So this is really an amazing midah, and a very, very important midah, because until now, we've said that, you know, we've given excuses how to handle evil. Here, and we're pretty far into the process, we've already done, Hashem, Hashem, Kel, Achum, Bechanun, and Erech Apayim. Rav Chesed begins to change the very way in which evil and, and truth, evil and good are viewed. It, of course, doesn't come so that we should be belittle the, the negative value of evil. But it says that having gone through the process, having been weighed, and, and you're a benoni. If you come out being a rasha by the, val- by, by, the, by the judgment, then you're immediately doomed. But if you're balanced anyhow, and the idea of being balanced means that, as the story of Bechamai said, well, we don't know what to do with you. You don't go to heaven, you don't go to hell. You don't go to Chaye Olam, you don't, talk, you don't go to Gehenom. You have no clear personality. So your choices in this world haven't done a, the word is Hechreya, they haven't made a clear definition of who you are. So if you don't project your own self-definition, well then God has to come to define you. But once God comes to define you, then yes, the values become different. Midat HaChesed says, your good is worth more then you're equal, in, 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 in quotation marks, you're, so to speak, equal amount of evil. This Gemara continues a few lines later with an amazing an amazing continuation, one which in the first one doesn't appear to be understood at all. The Gemara comes back to this phrase of Beit Hillel and says, Mata Chesed, and then the Gemara asks a question. Beit Hillel Omrim, Barav Chesed, Mata Chesed, Heichi Avid, how does God do it? Strange question, how does God do it? He does it. The answers are even stranger. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Kovasho. How does God matek chesed? How does he tilt to the side of chesed? He pushes down. He pushes down. Rashi explains. This is literally taken from the the scales. Pushes down the kaf hamoznayim shel schut umachrim et avonot. You have two. Uh, like these little bowls that hold, you know, a scale. You have two bowls on either side holding merits and demerits. So God pushes down. He puts his thumb on the side of the merits and pushes it down. That's how he's matak chesed. Rabbi Yossi Barchanin Omer Nosei. Rashi says, what does it mean Nosei? He picks up. Magia kafuzayim shalavon. He doesn't put his finger on top of the merits. He puts his hand underneath the demerits and picks it up. It's a it's a controversy. It's a machloket. How does God, so to speak, cheat? Does he put his thumb in one side or does he put his hand underneath the other side? It's really strange. What, what, what could this possibly mean? So I'm going to suggest what I think the meaning is and my suggestion is based on taking it literally. Taking the simile literally. What does it mean to say that God is pushing down his thumb, so to speak, is on the side of the schuyot? I think this means the following. 
It means that when you measure the two equal sides of the scale. Right? Ten points of merit, ten points of demerit. What did I say five minutes ago? Merits ultimately weigh more than demerits. Equal amount of merit weighs more than an equal amount of demerit. And why is that? Why is that? In terms of the choice, they were equal. In terms of the psychological choice, responsibility, they should be equal. Why is it not true? Because the merits are good, and the good is truth. And the truth is, I left that one word, the truth is God. God's very being is found not in my own psychological choice. I did a deed, the deed was equal. I gave, I gave $10 to a person, to a poor person to help him, and I stole $10 from another poor person. They're equal. That's in terms of what I did. That's in terms of the action itself. But you should know something. When you give tzedakah to the ani, you're not only helping the ani, you're not only doing a good deed. You're creating shechina. We've said this since the first year in the series. That's good. You've made good. You've created good. Yesh mi'ayin. Ex nilo. That is not only the good, but it's God. When you stole the $10 from the poor person, there's no such thing. We're Jews. We don't believe in the devil. There's no such thing as absolute evil. So you did a bad deed. It's just as bad as the, just as bad as the good deed was good. But when God sees the scale, He also sees Himself on the side of the good. Kovsho. He comes to weigh and His own thumb is on one side because He Himself, He's supposed to be the judge, but He's also the judge. He Himself, you means your actions are the Merkava they're the basis of God's presence in the world. That's why good deeds, equal good deeds are worth more, way more than an equal, so to speak, amount of bad deeds. Because there is a value added. And the value added is God Himself. That's Rabbi Eliezer's opinion, Kovsha. Rabbi Yossi Bachanina says, no say. He doesn't weigh down the side of the merits. He lifts up the side of the demerits. What does this mean? It can mean only one thing. Sins are heavy. And on whom do they weigh? On the sinner. I carry the weight of the sins that I've done and they threaten to sink me into the abyss, into the depths of hell. God picks it up. What do you mean God picks it up? What does it mean that he, if God picks up the, the dish, the bowl that holds my sins, he's bearing them. That can only mean one thing. To bear the weight of the sin is to be responsible for them. What else could make my sins lighter on me other than somebody else carrying them? Rabbi Yosef Merchina says, yes, God is carrying your sins, but to carry one's sins means only one thing. You carry sin when you're responsible for them. So this Gemara is saying that God takes responsibility for my sins. How could that be? Well, it's a little bit astonishing. I'm hesitant to say it, but it but I think I know what it means. God says that He's responsible partially for what we've done. And the answer is very, very simple. God is ultimately powerful. It's really the same point, but in a deeper sense. This world has equality. Why does this world have equality? Why is there an equal choice between good and evil? Only because God is absent. If I'm walking 
besides the lake and I see somebody drowning and I have to choose whether to jump in and save him or be fearful and let him drown, that's a morally significant choice because if I jump in, he will be saved and if I don't, he will drown. Were I to know that he will be saved whether I jump in or not or that he'll die whether I jump in or not, there will be no moral meaning to my choice. But in fact, ultimately, God can save him or not save him. It's up to God. He has the power. He has the knowledge and he has the will. The whole moral exercise is done in a vacuum as though there were no God. But in ultimate truth, if I've done an evil deed, then God has helped me the whole way. If I pull the trigger, someone has to move the bullet. We call that natural law. We call that God. If I can carry out my bad decisions, and if I can't carry them out, then there's no free choice. I have free will because I know that if I pull the trigger, most cases the bullet will move, and if it strikes that person, he will die. But each time that takes place, it's God's decision to make it happen. God, or to put it somewhat less strikingly, God could easily prevent my hurting the, the, the blameless. Just as he could easily ensure that the blameworthy would die no matter what. And so God's decision not to do so, which is done because he wants to have free will, also casts upon him a certain amount of responsibility for the results. If I shoot somebody, he died because I shot him, he also died because God, one, let him die, and two, I think it's fair to say that God made sure that he died. God, God killed him. Now, there's a good reason for this. We're not going to go into it, but there's a good reason. The reason is free will. God wants us. He doesn't want to interfere. He's handed us the world and he will not interfere. But not interference is a moral choice in his part. If I would do the same thing, if I would watch my children play and I'm saying I want them to do A, B, and C and have free choice, and therefore if one of my children throws something the other child, I will not interfere, I won't catch and or divert the, the, the arrow. I'm responsible. You can go to jail for something like that. There's a pasuk in the Torah, lo ta'amod adam yecha. One is not allowed to stand over the blood of one's fellow, meaning allow someone else to die and not, and not, and not intervene. You're supposed to intervene. So the God doesn't have to intervene? So he has a reason why he doesn't intervene all that much. But that's responsibility. And that's what Rabbi Yossi Bachanina says, no say. From my point of view, in the world of free will, my good deeds are equal to my bad deeds. But if you get out of the world of free will, you get into the ultimate world of God, then on the side of my bad deeds, there is shared responsibility. Lest you say, maybe there should be shared responsibility for my good deeds as well. It's not true. If two people do a good deed, each one of them gets credit. If two people do a bad deed, then they share in the, in the demerit. If I could not succeed in hurting somebody without your help, if I could not succeed in stealing without your help, you could prevent me, then you're taking part of the responsibility, in fact, lowers my responsibility. But in Misfit, it's not like that. If you've done a good thing, You've done as much as you could. And then God helps out. 
So I, you deserve credit for what you've done. And the fact that God needed to help you succeed doesn't lower the amount of credit which you should get. So we have full responsibility for our mitzvot, but again, ultimately, according to the midah of Rav Chesed, if we get out of the midah of Din, if we transcend the world of free will, if we look at it through God's eyes, then is the midah of Rav Chesed, and our sins begin to diminish in their value. Both of these explanations are really based on the, on, the, on the explanation which we began with, which I said on the name of Avotna. There's an interesting difference between them. One of them shows you why good deeds, why mitzvot have added value, because they contain within them the presence of God. And the other one shows you why, and, and it's, I, I think, theologically perhaps difficult to, to accept, why bad deeds, why sins, weigh less because... It's so hard to say this because God bears some of the responsibility for my success in being evil. But the end result is the same. That equal amounts of good and evil are not equal. And that's the meaning of verav chesed. But let us just add, as we do each, ses- each session, what this implies for he who calls out and says verav chesed. When you say Barav Chesed, you really have to say, okay, I had free will, I chose, but now I understand and I accept and I appeal to the fact that I really don't have that much. I don't have complete Bechirach of shit. I don't have complete free will. If you had been a tzaddik, you wouldn't have had to do that. Tzaddikim Gemurim if you had used your free will wisely all the time, then you could come and say, blank check, I, I, I've done good, I deserve good. But you are only a benoni. You're only a middle, a balanced person. It's not a, not a compliment to be balanced. And therefore you have to come and say, look, there was this test, there was this exercise in free will, I didn't actually succeed, I now want to step out of the exercise. Man was created to have free will. You have to voluntarily give up your free will, at least now. Try again next year. You have to say, look, I don't wish to be judged on the basis of free will. I want to be judged on the basis of ultimate reality. I want to accept that God is in my actions and not that I am the owner. I am the decider. I am the measure of my own actions. If you do that, you lose. So I want God to be the measure of my actions. And then you can appeal to Barav Chesed, Mateh Klape Chesed. And we'll be back next week. Continue in Yud Gimel Midot Tarachamim. Kol Tov.